0: You're listening to CME on ReachMD. The following activity is titled Multiple Myeloma Newsflash, Emerging Data from the 2020 ASH Annual Meeting. To access additional activity details and earn CME credit, please visit ReachMD.com CME. The
1: 2020 American Society of Hematology meeting was held in December 2020, and nearly 5,000 abstracts were presented. This is CME on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Paul DeGramji and here with me to review several key abstracts presented at the ASH annual meeting and how it may directly impact patient care in the field of myeloma is Dr. Joseph McHale. Dr. McHale is a professor of Applied Cancer Research and Drug Discovery, Translational Genomics Research Institute at the City of Hope Cancer Center, and Chief Medical Officer of the International Myeloma Foundation. Dr. McHale, welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Paul. Great to be with you. Great. So to start off, Joe, let's discuss newly diagnosed multiple myeloma. Can you share details about any key
0: data from the ASH annual meeting? Absolutely. Happy to address this topic. You know, it was a very exciting ASH for multiple myeloma. We've seen over the years so much change in the world of multiple myeloma. And typically, we think of it in the relapse setting, as we're going to come to in a few minutes, But even in the frontline setting, we've seen significant improvements in what we can do for our patients. And this was particularly highlighted at this annual meeting with the Griffin study. We've been following for a little while now. We're quite excited for it to come to fruition is a, a randomized phase two trial where we are comparing what is currently the standard of care using bortezomib, lenalidomide, and dexamethasone versus daratumumab plus bortezomib, lenalidomide, and dexamethasone. So this randomized trial is very important to us because although we've developed this very important platform of a triplet, the question is, can quadruplets make our frontline therapy better? And indeed, we saw in this study various lessons learned. So the primary endpoint of the study was to demonstrate an improved stringent complete remission. And sure enough, we saw that in the earlier presentations of this study. What was being focused on at ASH this year was looking to see what would be the effect of continued use of daratumumab in the maintenance setting. So to help explain this, the triplet versus the quadruplet was not just for initial induction, followed by stem cell transplant, but also for two cycles of consolidation. And then indeed in the maintenance setting, where daratumumab and lenalidomide would be compared to just lenalidomide alone, which is also the standard of care, because most patients will get VRD, transplant, and lenalidomide maintenance, so that remains the control arm. And the first important result we noted was that with each of these levels of treatment, induction, transplant, consolidation, and maintenance, the depth of response was considerably improved in both arms. But at the end of 12 months of maintenance, which was the cutoff for this presentation, the rate of complete remission or greater in the intervention arm was 82% versus 61% in the RVD arm alone. And we're coming to appreciate in myeloma more than ever is the depth of that response considerably more important at the early treatment of our patients. Thankfully, we didn't really see a significant safety signal that was different than we're used to. And the last point to make about the results was that not only did we see that complete remission depth of difference, but what we're coming to learn is that MRD negativity differences or minimal residual disease differences are perhaps even the most important. And we saw a considerable difference between those two at 62.5 versus 27.2%. It's a little bit early to comment on progression-free survival or overall survival. So what does this mean for the practicing clinician? Well, I think as a myeloma community, we are on the verge of moving from triplets to quadruplets, and this will likely be the first of those quadruplets where we add daratumumab to VRD in the frontline setting, at least for induction and consolidation, and possibly for maintenance. I think we need more time to make that conclusion about maintenance. And I think it will herald other quadruplets that we'll see in the future that include daratumumab with other triplet combinations, and even potentially other novel antibodies such as isatuximab. Well, thank
1: you for that. So now let's turn to early relapsed refractory multiple myeloma. Can you tell us about the
0: important abstracts in this treatment setting? Again, we have seen tremendous advances in myeloma, and a lot of these advances in myeloma have not just been in the very heavily relapsed setting, but also in the early relapse setting. And this was emphasized in the Apollo study. This is an open-label, multicenter phase 3 trial in patients that had had at least one prior line of therapy, and patients were randomized to receive pretty standard pomalidomide and dexamethasone. And then the intervention arm added daratumumab to it and specifically added daratumumab as a subcutaneous injection. The primary endpoint was progression-free survival. And sure enough, we saw a considerable improvement in median progression-free survival from about seven months to 12 and a half months. And only about half of these patients were in first relapse. There were patients that were in second and indeed third relapse. As we've indicated before, when we add daratumumab, we do tend to see increased infections, specifically pneumonia and respiratory tract infections, but again, generally very well managed. And interestingly, in contrast to the older days of IV Dara now giving it subcutaneously, we had significantly fewer what are called infusional or now administration reactions when given subcutaneously. So this is a very important study for the clinic because it emphasizes to some degree, what we're already doing. This is already a well-known combination of daratumab and pomalidomide. It's been available in the community for a few years by virtue of the NCCN guidelines. But this is now the confirmatory phase three study and specifically adds the element of subcutaneous DERTUMEB, which I think is going to be a very important part of what we do going forward, because instead of giving patients IV drug for sometimes many hours, although there are some accelerated infusions, now we literally give this drug subcutaneously over five minutes. So this has particularly significant implications for the way we deliver this drug in the community. Wow, that's pretty great. Is there
1: other pivotal data that was shared at ASH in the relapsed refractory multiple myeloma?
0: Absolutely, Paul. So in this same vein of using intense therapies early on in relapse. Another very important study was the Ikema study. And I actually had the privilege of being a part of this study as well. And this was a little bit of a similar approach that I just described. But in this case, the control backbone was carfilzomib and which is also a very commonly used combination in early relapse multiple myeloma. And this trial was a further update of phase three study of esotuximab esotuximab carfilzomib dexamethasone versus carfilzomib and dexamethasone. So esotuximab, of course, is a novel CD38 antibody similar in many respects to daratumumab. So this was a very important randomized open label multicenter phase three study with a little over 300 patients that were randomized in a 3-2 fashion to isatuximab carfilzomib dex versus carfilzomib and dexamethasone. The primary endpoint, as we would expect, as we saw with Apollo, was progression-free survival. And interestingly, in this case, the esotuximab carfilzomib-dex arm has yet to achieve that. So it's not yet reached. Whereas in the KD arm, the median progression-free survival was 19 months. Really quite a long and good outcome, even in the control arm. As expected, we saw a considerable difference in the response rates between the two. The hazard ratio was 0.53. The safety signal was quite what we would expect with these drugs, although we always have to specifically watch more for cardiac effects when patients are receiving carfilzomib. This is not yet an FDA or NCCN guideline approved. We do already have the daratumumab carfilzomib dex through the CANDOR study having been approved and now we'll likely see with Ikema uh, a similar approach where we can use this CD38 antibody isatuximab in combination with carfilzomib and dex for very deep and durable responses in patients with one to three prior lines of therapy with myeloma. So, Joe, we were just talking about some of the key
1: abstracts presented at the ASH annual meeting, and I want to dive into that just a bit deeper. CAR T-cell therapy is another exciting area in multiple myeloma. What are some of the key takeaways from clinical data presented at ASH that you'd like to share with our listeners?
0: There was a lot of excitement around CAR T-cell therapy as it's not yet approved in myeloma. The first of them is Idacel and so there was an update at ASH this year of the CRB401 study which was a two-part phase one dose escalation and expansion study of this Idacel product which is currently under evaluation and may well be the first drug we have available to us in myeloma as a CAR T-cell approach we saw a response rate of 76%. And again, to put this in context, these are triple-class refractory patients that typically, with the best therapy we have now, may have a response rate of up to 30%. And furthermore, the depth of response of seeing nearly 40% of these patients achieve a complete remission is really quite remarkable. Furthermore, the median progression free survival, at least in this smaller cohort, was nearly nine months, which if we look at these patients' Prior to CAR-T, that's honestly about their expected overall survival. So there was a lot of enthusiasm around this. Now, of course, CAR-T cell therapy comes with some challenges. In particular, we know that by virtue of the conditioning chemotherapy we give them, the patients are going to have significant cytopenias, including neutropenia, nearly all of them, and also, in particular, cytokine release syndrome, although I must say we are getting better at both preventing it and treating cytokine release syndrome, mostly, thankfully, now, they're grade one and grade two, but we still see these in the majority of patients. So I think my take home for this first product, the Idacel product, is that it's clearly demonstrated its ability to demonstrate both depth and duration of response in patients who have very heavily pre-treated multiple myeloma. I think we are getting significantly better at managing the toxicities of this therapy and really anticipate that this is going to be something available to the myeloma community in the near future, likely within the year 2021. Very interesting.
1: So what about CAR-T therapy, Siltacel? Can you tell us more about this
0: promising data that we have on this agent? Yeah, there was a lot of discussion around this study as sort of being if you will the next major wave of CAR T cell therapy after we saw Idacell, the Cartitude study, which was a phase 1b2 study, again looking at patients that were essentially a triple class refractory. So it had proteasome inhibitors, immunomodulatory drugs, and a CD38 antibody. And so we saw the results now of 97 patients. And again, a little bit like we saw with idacell we saw that cytokine release syndrome does occur in the majority of patients, but again, overwhelmingly, almost all grade one and grade two. And so that becomes very important for us to be able to manage these patients. But perhaps what was most striking of this study was the overall response rate. So out of those 97 patients, 94 of them responded. That translates to a 97% response rate. And remarkably, 93% had very good partial remission or better, and 67% achieved a stringent complete remission. So the depth of response here is truly unprecedented in myeloma. We're now not just doubling what we've historically seen in triple class or factory, we're literally tripling it. A little bit early to comment on progression-free survival, but nonetheless, at 12 months, we have just over three quarters of patients still not having progressed. So I think the take-home message here, similar to what we've seen with Idacel, cell demonstrates particular efficacy, perhaps even greater efficacy, and it's very exciting to see that we can have this sort of depth of response in very heavily pretreated myeloma. Excellent, excellent information. All right. So
1: as I understand, there were several key abstracts presented on bi-specifics.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about this? Perhaps the bispecific that I would highlight the most was the teclistamab study. This was a bispecific that is specific to BCMA, the CD3 target on local T cells. And it was really quite exciting to see this is now being given in considerably higher number of patients, where it was actually initially given IV and now also able to be given subcutaneously. So in a similar population that we saw with CAR-T's, with patients that are triple-class refractory, we saw response rates of over 60%, really quite exciting. And at the target dose, response rate of 73%. Now, there are some safety considerations here, as we would expect, that we do see cytopenias, but we also do see some cytokine release syndrome, perhaps not to the same degree as with CAR-T. But this is an important point for the community oncologist, because these drugs are still given inpatient for the first dose or two by virtue of that risk of CRS, but then ultimately can be given potentially exclusively as an outpatient, and even given subcutaneously, as I mentioned. So looking to the future of bispecific therapy, we think this will be a very important treatment strategy going forward. We have other targets now. So there was another abstract of talquetamab, which was using GPRC5D along with T-cells. And again, similarly, we saw response rates in that 67 to 78% response rate. So really quite striking with, again, similarly, some cytokine release syndrome, mostly of grade one to two quality. So I think biospecifics are Going to be a part of what we do in the future i think we're continuing to work on them to make them more easily accessible in the community but this modality of not having to go through phoresis that we do with car t is likely going to be very important in the future and it just speaks to all the great options that our patients are going to have in the not so distant future in multiple
1: myeloma wow well with those great takeaways in mind i'd like to thank our guest today dr joseph McHale, for joining us to review several key abstracts on the multiple my loan presented at the ASH annual meeting. Joe, it's great to have you with us today. It was a pleasure to join
0: you, my friend. Thank you for your kindness. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. This is CME on ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.